0: Welcome to the next in the series of JNAS podcasts. I'm honored today to have Istvan Sikora uh, presenting today on his manuscript entitled Standards for European Training Requirements in Interventional Neuroradiology Guidelines by the Division of Neuroradiology Section of Radiology, European Union of Medical Specialists in cooperation with the division of interventional radiology uems the european society of neuroradiology and the european society of minimally invasive neurological therapy i should say at the outset that this podcast is supported by rapid medical the maker of the Komenichi device the Komenichi device is the only fda cleared temporary coiling assist device that provides remodeling capability yet does not arrest Parent vessel blood flow during coiling procedures, potentially avoiding the need for costly stents and long-term anti-aggregate therapy the Komenichi is also CE marked and has been utilized in over 3,000 procedures to date you can have further information at their website www.rapidmedical.com Eastvan thank you so much um, for joining us for this podcast this is an important document and one that I know uh, took several months in preparation. Uh, This is a European standards guideline for training requirements in interventional neuroradiology. Dr. Sikora joins us from the National Institute of Clinical Neurosciences in Budapest, Hungary, where he is part of the Neurointerventions Department. Istvan, welcome.
1: Hello and good afternoon. Thank you for calling and thank you for giving me the opportunity to discuss this uh, paper, which I believe truly is important.
0: Yusvan, if we could just start, you know, looking at just the title of the manuscript and the fact that uh, this is a multi-society document, uh, certainly there must have been challenges in putting this document together, specifically in the in the setting of such a, you know, a heterogeneous healthcare system throughout Europe. If you could discuss a bit some of these challenges.
1: Sure. Um, you mentioned that it may have taken months to to put this together, as a matter of fact, it was more years than months, <laughs> and, uh, and and the difficulty indeed is, as you pointed out, is that we uh, have multiple societies, more or less dealing with the same uh, issues and objectives. So, as a matter of fact, uh, the UMS Division of Neuroradiology has produced guidelines for training in neuroradiology many years ago. However, this has never become an official document of the UMS simply because there were substantial disagreements among the different players uh, regarding mainly the selection criteria for candidates, and that a full training in radiology is definitely required prior to entering. A neurointernational training program, which has been the practice in the past. So, that training uh, uh, required, training guidelines has never been accepted and published under the logo of UMS, although it has existed. So, I believe that the great news is that now we managed to come to an agreement and with this agreement to produce this document under the logo and full agreement of the uh, European Union of Medical Specialists.
0: <laughs> I didn't realize it was so many years in the making, but uh, I can understand the difficulties in that. Um, you mentioned in the foreword of the manuscript that there are a number of structural and operational differences in the healthcare systems and, and different demographic realities among the European countries. Can you give us a couple examples of some of these differences or demographic realities?
1: Yeah, so um, what we mean by that is that, um, in fact, the Hasker is a national competency in all European countries, and because of that, there is no uniform system existing all over the European Union. Uh, you're asking an example from my country, which may not be the best example regarding the training in interventional radiology, simply because we do have a legally regulated system for the training in INR since uh, as early as 2013, which clearly regulates all the requirements for such training. However, this is not the case in most of the European countries, which do not have such rules and therefore the training pathway remains completely different from one country to another and maybe there is no uh, clear uh, uh, training pathway even in one single country. So, the current document was created to serve as a guideline that could be applied as a model by the national authorities in each of the countries um, in, in the European Union. Now, regarding the demographic realities, demographic realities that you are asking about, of course, there are substantial differences regarding the level of urbanization, uh, and the population density, um, et cetera, et cetera, that may require completely different and individual solutions in the different countries uh, or different regions. And that's exactly what we meant by that.
0: Sure. Yeah, it's very similar to problems that we have in the United States where there are certainly more uh, rural areas that don't have access uh, to you know, the, the top level medical care. So there are certainly a lot of controversial issues uh, that are common to, to our country and to Europe. If you could uh, briefly summarize the uh, the interventional neuroradiology criteria that this document deems for technical expertise, and specifically address an issue that was brought up in this document, and that is of obtaining purely subspecialized training, uh, such as that for mechanical thrombolysis and for percutaneous spine interventions.
1: Yeah. So uh, we all believe that the best treatment for um, any kind of uh, neurovascular disease is provided by people who are fully trained in the full spectrum of what we call interventional neuroradiology or uh, neurointerventional surgery or whatever you want to call it. Um, however, after pretty much years of debates, the authors of this document came to the conclusion that the incidence of large vessel occlusion stroke is so much higher compared to subarachnoid hemorrhage, aneurysm, AVM, etc., other more complex neurovascular diseases that it may not be possible to serve the ischemic stroke field by fully trained and completely experienced neurointerventionists. interventionists On the other hand, it is also true that if, uh, if we train everybody who is treating stroke for the full scale of neuro-interventions, then those more complex pathologies may become a little bit more diluted, not providing a substantial work case volume for the physicians. So therefore, in full agreement with the global training guidelines that were published as the quote cause documents in the early 2018, uh, we believe that might be a need for physicians that are specifically trained for the stroke intervention. Um, this is also uh, paralleling the guidelines provided in the, in the uh, recently published standards of practice in interventional treatment of acute ischemic stroke. Again, a global paper uh, co-signed by, I believe, 15 international societies. That is the same consortium that produced the international uh, training guidelines. So um, that's about the uh, specific training in mechanical thrombectomy only. Therefore, we believe this is important in Europe um, on behalf of Asmint, we actually provide two specific theoretical training courses. One in full uh, neurointerventions called ECMINT, and this is based in Auckland, and then a specific one for interventional stroke treatment only, which is based in Prague as of now. And the slater one is a one-year program, and the full training one is a two-year program. Now, regarding spine uh, interventions, it's a different story. We at um, uh, my organization, ASMINT, does not provide any such training, but ESNR does, um, and of course this would not be uh, providing any kind of educational experience that is needed for stroke, so this should be definitely separated from the stroke
0: needs. Certainly. Um, specifically, do you view that subspecialty training in mechanical thrombolysis as a means of, of solving the, some of the demographic problems that, that uh, you and I have discussed a bit earlier, specifically in remote parts of European countries? As I mentioned before, this is certainly a, a topic of debate among American interventional societies
1: well and and I fully understand that, as i said this um, uh, this proposal for a specific training in uh, in acute stroke only didn't come easy. I mean the agreement didn't come easy on that topic among ourselves, so yeah, I believe that considering again the different infrastructures, the different population densities uh, traffic opportunities, and so on and so on. I believe it makes sense to have centers that are providing treatment for LVO or stroke, but do not do complex cerebral vascular disease treatments such as AVMs and aneurysms. And for those centers, I believe training people who are specifically de- dealing with stroke interventions is a very rational solution.
0: Sure. Now, out of curiosity, Isvan, uh, could you tell me of the, the members that go to the Ekman's training meetings, uh, what specialties are they from?
1: For the ECMINT as of now, I believe that the, let's say a minimum of two thirds are coming from neuroradiology, but it's completely different for Xmint. as I said, Xmint is a specific training for stroke. And over there, um, radiologist is probably not more than one-third, and the rest is consisting of, of radiologists, the, I mean general peripheral interventional radiologists as well as cardiologists, and of course neurosurgeons and, and neurologists.
0: Yeah, just building on that that discussion there, uh, these guidelines specifically refer to neuroradiologists. What would you say is the status of neurosurgeons and neurologists entering this field as they as they have in the United States? I mean, I imagine that this must be quite different among the different European countries.
1: It is, however, as of now, in the majority of the European countries. The, uh, the majority of inter- neuro-interventionists are actually trained as radiologists. This is the situation today. But it, at least in my own environment, I see that changing very quickly. Now, regarding the guidelines, you mentioned that this is specifically for neuroradiologists. I would disagree with that. I believe that one of the, uh, the news, the big news in that document that does not specify any uh, previous training or pre-existing training that would be required to enter into a neurointerventional training program, uh, which has been the case before, but now it is not. So now you can enter this training program with practically any kind of a board examination or a residency training, of course, obviously, including neurosurgery and neurology. Now, again, this may not be the situation as of now compared to the United States, but if you, look for, for instance, look at my own department, I'm working with a couple of physicians, I have two fully trained neurologists, I have a fully trained neurosurgeon as a fellow, um, actually I have, I have another fully trained neurologist as a fellow, so among the six of us, it's only me and one of my colleagues who are coming from radiology. So again, this is changing as of now
0: certainly, uh, as it has changed in the United States and continues to change. That's interesting to hear that. Um, Istvan, I want to thank you again for participating in this podcast and give you an opportunity here at the end um, to to add any other comments that you think that we have not discussed that are of import uh, regarding this specific uh, document.
1: Yeah, I don't think we missed anything that is particularly important. But um, if you allow me, I would like just to very quickly summarize what is our approach to different uh, subspecialty trainings as coming into the intervention radiology. As I'm sure you're very well aware of that, there are initiatives from different other specialties to come into the uh, neuro-interventional field and specifically into the stroke field, including, for instance, cardiology, which is a subject of constant debate. So we actually do believe that there's only one thing that matters, and this is the patient's needs. And what the patient needs is not a diploma or a board examination, but it is indeed proper knowledge and experience. So what we want is no matter which field you're coming from, you should be properly trained and experienced, and this is what this document is uh, trying to achieve. I hope it will work.
0: Well I certainly think that this has been a, a major effort uh, to do just that and I applaud you uh, and your work in putting uh, this document together which obviously took many months and years as you as you mentioned. So once again uh, I would like to say that uh, this manuscript uh, again entitled the Standards for European Training Requirements and Interventional Neuroradiology Guidelines by the Division of Neuroradiology, Section of Radiology, European Union of Medical Specialists in cooperation with the Division of Interventional Radiology, the European Society of Neuroradiology, and the European Society of Minimally Invasive Neurological therapy is currently available on the JNIS website and will be shortly published in the print edition. Thank you Istvan again uh, for participating today. This has been a fantastic discussion.
1: Thank you very much.